Welcome to SMACNA's New Horizons Foundation podcast series. I'm your host, Eric Anderton. I'm joined today by Nick Cameron, Principal and Director of Digital Practice at Perkins & Will, and Ryan Sutton, Chief Marketing Officer of Zaner. Today, we're going to discuss why it's important for architects and designers to collaborate with engineers, contractors, and fabrication partners during the conceptual design stage of a project. We'll also dive into the negative effects that can arise from a lack of communication between all parties involved and how Perkins and Will and Zayner have partnered to improve the design and delivery process for all parties involved in a project. Perkins and Will and Zayner have collaborated together in these areas and have produced a white paper, Dynamic Design and Feasibility Workflow, that we link to in the show notes. Bottom line, this workflow encourages both teams to build trust through transparent communication on key regular topics early in the design phase of the project. The end goal of this process is to design, manufacture, and build projects that all parties involved profit from and are proud to be a part of. Enjoy our conversation. Nick Ryan, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us here today. Thanks for having us, Eric. Thanks, Eric. Glad to be here. My pleasure. Um, gentlemen, introduce yourselves to our audience, please. Nick, if you want to go first, go Back for to it. you, Nick. Sure. Happy to. Uh, my name is Nick Cameron. I'm an architect. Uh, I've been practicing for a little over 20 years. I'm part of uh, the global design firm Perkins & Will, and I lead um, the digital practice there. And what that means is, is that Myself and my team, uh, we look to leverage technology uh, in the design and delivery process um, to deliver uh, excellent um, solutions for our clients. Excellent. Excellent. Ryan. Eric, my name is Ryan Sutton. I work for Zaner. Um, we're best known as a uh, fabricator, manufacturer, in some cases, an engineer um, for, for uh, some of the most iconic uh, exterior facades across the world. Um, and I'm uh, the chief marketing officer. Uh, my background has always been customer facing and market driven, uh, you know, exploring uh, growth methodically. Uh, and with Zaner, it's pretty easy. You know, we've got a fantastic company, 125 uh, year business, built its brand on excellence and integrity. Uh, so it makes my makes my job a little easier. So, Nick, give, give the audience a little bit of a, a window into the world of an architect. Why did you want to become an architect? Um, I, I have a long answer and a short answer. Um, the short answer is, um, growing up, I was just always very interested in building things and always like to say, I want to build cool things. Um, that's evolved over the years. I think as we're all, um, looking down the barrel of, um, climate change, how do we build sustainably? How do we build healthier? Um, and that's something I'm very passionate about, and one of the reasons that I joined Perkins and Will as a leader in the sustainability effort. Um, that is our top priority. Um, so over the years, I've gone from working on individual projects, and then into my current role, being able to affect all the projects at Perkins and Will to ensure that we're bringing the latest and the greatest ideas to all of our clients 
um, which encompass healthcare and higher ed, uh, K through 12, even into housing. That's great. And Ryan, how about you? Give us give us a little background how you got into the whole world of fabrication and installation. Yeah, maybe less of a direct path uh, than Nick. Um, you know, I'm inherently a business guy, um, but I also uh, was, you know, for decades a part of early stage uh, and technology. Uh, so you're like, wow, that's how does that connect to, you know, a, uh, you know, a 125 year old manufacturing uh, company. Uh, but uh, that said, I'm mostly interested in in growth and and the opportunity for that right and and what what's interesting to me is is you know recent as a decade ago you had to be a part of like mobile or you know uh iot or or data or something to be considered you know on the forefront of technology now that's not the case you know every single business every single industry uh is connected to technology they're using data to drive their decisions um so you know i'm a proud kansas city guy and zaner is a proud kansas city company and i've always had an interest in architecture and and uh, admired zaner as a business so when the opportunity uh, arose to connect here and explore growth uh, with them, I, I jumped all over and it, it's been great. I've been there uh, only uh, four years, but we made a huge amount of progress. And I think actually, strangely, COVID represented a great opportunity for some of that exploration. That's terrific. So how do you guys, uh, you, Nick and Ryan, how do you collaborate together when it comes to the projects that you're working on? So, I mean, look, I'll take a stab at it, Nick, give your vantage point, but uh, it's a very typical relationship for Zaner to, to interact with architect uh, who's interacting with owners, right? And, you know, obviously there's a value chain in the space, but, uh, you know, Zaner typically considers ourselves, you know, working on behalf of uh, design intent, right? So an owner uh, may say, look, I want to, I want to build the most incredible, whatever it might be, stadium, hospital, in many cases for Perkins and Will. Um, and when metal is involved, uh, particularly complex metal and facade solutions, uh, Zaner's often thought of, and because of our, our reputation and execution on these iconic structures. So a lot of times we may work with Perkins and Will, uh, they'll reach out and say, hey, we have this challenge, right? This is what we, we want to accomplish. So we, we like to be involved early in a much more of a a consultative approach, right? Where, where we're able to, to chat, uh, you know, conceptually, like this is, these are the challenges, these are the, the potential risks and so forth. But that's how we typically are engaged. And then it goes through maybe a more formal process from there where we're identifying when the risk we're executing all the way to, to delivering the, the, the product in the field. Nick, let me just ask you a question. As, as you're looking at the projects that you're working on, the projects coming down the pipeline, how do the increasing complexities in building designs impact architects and the design process? Well, I think for us um, in the technology and the tools that we have access to, we're, we're just never afraid to take on a new challenge. And I think that's where some of the complexities or the cl complex geometries come into play. Um, that we will take those on knowing that if we're teamed up with partners like Zaner, uh, we can deliver those solutions in the same amount of time within the same budget um, and really knock uh, our clients' socks off or the communities that we're involved in. Um, something that Ryan had mentioned was about you know this relationship 
And, you know, we want to work with the best. Uh, Zayner, we consider in very high regards. So we just thought about how do we work closely together sooner? Um, again, to your, your question, Eric, um, how do these complex geometries or shapes uh, inform the design? When we have partners like Zayner, uh, we can tackle those much more easily. Um, and then be able to produce that for our clients. So it's interesting, Nick, you, you, you mentioned this idea of the best. I know um, from my own experience that, you know, contractors, manufacturers, they, they might be sitting around the water cooler, so to speak, talking about the uh, deficiencies of architects. <laughs> but, but when in your mind as an architect, what are some of the qualities of the best manufacturers and installers that you work with? G give us a few of those. Sure. I think, you know, we all have the same common goal, uh, and that is to put something out in the world, in the real world, uh, that we can all be proud of and show our kids and our families and drive by and talk about these things. I think really down at the essence of it, that's why we've all gotten involved in this industry, just from different facets of, you know, for us in design, it's very early on. Uh, but then to, you know, the folks actually knocking the stuff together uh, to make sure it's waterproof or safe for the folks that are going to be inside. We all have that same common goal. Um, and I think along the way, you find partners um, who you really like to work with um, that like to put in the extra effort uh, and understand what the client's really looking for and able to, to deliver that. Um, where it gets tougher is how do you repeat that? How do you how do you keep working with your friends, the friends that you want to be working with? And that's where we're trying to find new ways of being able to partner early, early on um, so that we know what we're putting out there in the world. We can be really proud of and it's going to last a, a long time. So one thing that the New Horizons audience might relate to is, you know, how do you explore, you know, uh, working with uh, partners? And and as Nick you know puts it is like your friends right how you people you like working with and at a baseline that's what we all want to do right is is work together with like minded folks and you establish our goals and and we're high fiving each other and so forth but Nick I gotta say I mean um, I had selfish aspirations here and I, I I'm actually I'm actually proud of how it came about is that of course we can all relate to a typical business development activity right I mean it, it's not sales it's it's this is strategic implications and Nick and I both play strategic roles at our businesses but I mean it it we level set at the beginning Nick and said hey what's we're coming up on a new year here what's important to Perkins and will? And I knew right tip of my tongue what was important for Zayner. I mean, we had very real challenges, right? And we didn't even know it yet because COVID was coming, right? But, right. But, right. but I mean, when you say working with friends, yes, it's great. We built, build a rapport and, and so forth. But I think truly what's, what's made this fascinating and, and should relate to the audience here is that um, the foundationally we're able to say this is what's important to us uniquely. And if we, if I understand what's important to you, in this case, Perkins and Will, and how Zayner may complement this symbiotically, we might, we could do some good things together, which of course is the trick, right? How do you, how do you do that? But, but so I challenge you a little bit on the friends thing. Yeah, it's true, right? We, we've, we've got a great rapport, but on the other hand, I don't know, we're, we're, um, we're hitting the mark from a business perspective. And I think that's, I think that's a really important piece of our partnership. Yeah. Yeah. I think strategically, uh, again, we had the same goals. We had shared goals, um, and we were able to apply focus to that and a lot of energy. 
Um, it was, you know, a strange time. We, we met right before COVID kind of hit. Um, so we'd been working remotely, but that did play into what we wanted to be doing. And that was applying the technology that we were creating within our own firms and see how we could become more efficient and effective in how we would deliver for our clients. Let me ask you this. Earlier, you were talking about, we were talking about the complexity and Whenever I think of complexity, I do think of more time and more money, um, more headaches. Um, and you mentioned something, Nick, right out of the gate in terms of the time frame that you begin to collaborate with engineers, contractors, fabrication partners. Um, speak a little bit to, from your perspective as an architect, at what point do you begin to bring in those partners to begin to discuss a particular design and to bounce ideas off about what's feasible and, and what the client wants and, and those sorts of things? I would say as early as we can or as early as we're comfortable with the direction that we have. You know, we, we do start from a blank sheet of paper and we iterate through a whole lot of ideas. But once we start kind of um, focusing on maybe two or three of those it's always good to ask the experts out there, especially if it's something that we don't know about or something that we're really interested in that we don't see just in the market. Um, we want to bring folks in, in this case, you know, with Zaner, that would be around the uh, exterior fabrication. Um, but even if there's some challenging um, mechanical issues that we'll be running into, we want to be talking to the engineers earlier or even the fabricators to understand if can we do this or not or are we just kind of going to in the end not be able to deliver what we want and we fall back to you know the status quo which is not what we want to do so the earlier the better um, this can be in schematic design especially if it's something that we're we know we're going to have a challenge uh, with we want to bring in the experts and get get that information um, and be able to share with them what the solution would look like again out in the field, out in the real world. How's it actually going to go? How's it actually going to happen? Um, and a lot of the times we learn it could be easy and we weren't thinking about it the right way because we don't do it. Uh, or there's other challenges around lead times of equipment or um, just equipment that's available in the area where we're building. Um, and if we know that earlier, then we can pivot uh, and come up with another solution. So we always benefit from collaborating earlier. I think that's a pretty simple and true um, across the board. How, how do you as an architect manage the demands of your owner or, the, you know, the client? So the client is saying, we want X. You're saying, OK, let's think about it. You go to someone like Ryan and Ryan's like, Nick, that's tremendous. I'm glad you want X, but you only have Y budget. So X and Y yeah. are not lining up. The I've heard that story before. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the client's yeah. putting pressure on you um, of one kind or another. The the manufacturers and the installers are telling you their perspective. Nick Ryan, speak to that. How does that? How do those conversations work productively? Yeah, I I think simply it's you know we we never like to hear the the answer is no. Right. It's yes, but here's something we need to think about, and it could be changing the material, changing a width, changing uh, the amount of area that we're trying to cover and have this design um, uh, conversation. We, we just expand it from our studio to include more of our partners. Um, and it's usually these things that I learned pretty early in my career being out, you know, 
uh, in the field, in the trailer, you know, meeting with someone that's saying, if you would have asked us earlier, we could have solved this. And that's just key. That's something that I learned early on. And you say, yeah, we want to work with these folks earlier um, because we will find a solution. They also want to find a solution. They don't want to spend a ton of money or a lot of time that they don't, that they didn't include in, in um, their planning process. So the earlier, the earlier, the better. But I think it's, no one likes to hear no, it's yes, but maybe we need to think about it a little differently. Yeah, yeah. Ryan, Ryan what, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I mean, it kind of also gets back to the notion of you know, building rapport is that, you know, I think when you work with folks um, more frequently and, you're, and you've got trust maybe from other projects and so forth, you can learn to um, be candid up front and early and bring them in in a more um, consultative partnership like approach. And, um, and you don't have your ears perked with regards to what their motives are. Right. So it, that being said, I think someone like Perkins and Will can be very honest with Zayner bringing us in very early and say, look, we both want to build cool stuff. We identified that as a found kind of a foundational, you know, mantra. Right. But what are the gotchas here? And in, and if I know I, I may not get this project and, and that's OK. Right. And that's not. And I, and I know, you know, Perkins and Will will work the next time with each other. But let's let's explore together right so it's 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 that sort of maybe trustworthy candor that we that we've built that allows us to represent you know in a very honest approach and what value we have to them and i think maybe the same holds true i don't want to put words in your mouth nick but what value you have as an architect to the owner Right. And if you do that and it's an honest conversation, then to your original question around budget. Right. You know, there's, look, obviously, we all want to make money. But on, but on the other hand, if they know that they're working with someone they can trust um, and they built a good rapport with and we're going to do the next project with one another, then, uh, you know, what you're getting is a trustworthy mm-hmm. answer. Right. And you're getting closer to what the actual costs are, what the actual risks are, what the how you actually make money with one another, all of those things. So, so I'm, I'm hearing an inherent tension here, and I'd, I'd like to try and describe it and get your guys' feedback on it. Um, how do you build trust through this candid communication that you're describing, Ryan, without, while still protecting your company's interests? So in other words, Ryan, you're making sausage. Nick, you're making sausage. And I want to present the sausage. I'm not necessarily going to – I don't necessarily want to present exactly how the sausage is made. Um, so how do you balance that, your company interests, with the candid conversations and the building of partnerships between a manufacturer and an architect? So for, let, me, let me give my perspective on that. Um, so it's easier in some cases than it is with others. When you yes. consider, and it's very important, I think, when you're doing this, um, is to look at it as a strategic relationship. And if it's a, and if you're looking at it that way, then you understand things like what what are the bookends of the value chain, and who are the players of the value chain, and and as you really dig in on that, um, you can understand who's good for whom and where the natural tensions might be, right? Mm. So so I think it's there's some very you know complementary relationships early on in the value chain, certainly where Nick and I sit right with Perkins and Will and Zayner, right? So, so the tensions exist certainly, right? But uh, if you know where those gotchas are, 
right? And maybe why those might exist, which I think typically get to your typical the way you make money, right? right? Then then uh, you can get in front of those things. It's more difficult in some cases with with certain players in the value chain, at least for Zayner, than it is for others, right? But but regardless, we we endeavor to have this sort of trustworthy, candid relationship with all the players and, and maybe work with less and go deeper with those, those few players. Right. So, mm-hmm. I mean, um, to, to be candid, I mean, it's more, it's more difficult with some than it is for others. Right. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Nick, what are your I thoughts? Yeah. The, the one thing that, yeah. I mean, the one thing that it reminds me of is in Ryan said this early on, Zaner is a, a company that's over a hundred years old. So, relying on the portfolio of work that's done. It's the same for Perkins and Will. We're not just doing a project. You know, it's a series of projects that we have to be able to go and tour with clients, future clients, and be things that we're proud of and know that we're maximizing the value of our time and effort, but also what's put out into the world with partners like Zayner, um, you know, that we can work with again in the future. We're not trying to put anyone out of business by getting to the lowest price we want to maximize all the values. I think you, before you mentioned, Eric, you know, we always think about three knobs, um, price, time, and then the design intent, the value mm-hmm. of what we're bringing. And we're trying to maximize those all the time. That's excellent. So let's let's take a deeper dive into the relationship that Perkins and Will and Zayner have. How have you guys partnered to improve the design and delivery process for all parties that are involved in a project? Well, what we did was we had these kind of virtual whiteboarding sessions uh, to look at what is the process and where are the bottlenecks. And we quickly found that the bottlenecks are when we issue drawings for bid, um, that then there's a bottleneck because it gets tossed over the fence uh, and groups look at it and they make a lot of assumptions because they're looking at flat geometry and then sending back in a bid. Uh, which has a lot of, um, you know, ways that they're protecting themselves. If we do that earlier and we have a set model, a 3D model that we can use uh, that is based on the same, it's really pretty simple, the same template. We use the same layers, we use the same kind of inputs, and we have a shared model that we can apply our design intent to, and Zayner can take off the quantities and understand how the geometry is being built they can quickly get a good sense of what will it take to actually build this thing? What are the materials that would be suitable? Uh, what are the machines that, that are there uh, in the lead times um, so that we can have those conversations just earlier and then start to maximize on reducing waste, um, using the best materials that are available at the time. Um, getting that information as a designer is just critical, especially when we're trying to maximize um, on value. That's so the perfect hearing, summary, yeah, go ahead, Ryan, yeah. Eric. Yeah, I mean, uh, couldn't say it better. But when I think about you know alternative ways to answer that question, and the other thing we did is we exposed our systems to one another, and mm. we got, and we got uh, resources together that have that mm. had different um, skill sets and vantage points. We uh, we laid out a challenge at the beginning, and I mean, I, I don't know, maybe COVID gave us a little time to do that. But we said, look, we're aligned this way. And we also have uh, different, uh, you know, objectives maybe as an architect and as a a fabricator. But 
we want to do this together. So we're going to arm the, we're going to rally the troops and we're going to dedicate time to solving these challenges. And as smart as, uh, you know, Nick and I are, <laughs> this joke, um, our, our teams are, our teams are amazing. Right. And, and I'm so proud of what they've done. Right. Is, is they were a part of those whiteboard, uh, sessions and, uh, you know, continue to iterate. They actually have, we, I mean, we meet regularly as a team, right. Under, under kind of our code name, but, but, uh, you know, the other, uh, subsets teams, they meet on alternative weeks and they consider, you know, the challenge more broadly, maybe more technically. So, I mean, Nick nailed the answer, but, but the other piece of this, which is the real challenge is we've dedicated, time and resources to overcoming this challenge together. And, and we've, we've done it, uh, you know, we, we've been steadfast about it, right? This is over a couple of years, right, Nick? Yep. It's funny when I think about it, Ryan's thinking like when we started, you know, we thought about our strategy, where we overlined, uh, and then we said, okay, let's reverse engineer this project that we did together. Mm. And the team after a very short amount of time was like, no, that's a waste of time. Like, why are we looking backwards? Let's look forward. Uh, we know the process. It's the process that's being used for many, many years. So let's look for projects in the future that we can uh, devise a new process around and document it uh, and then apply it on the next project and the next project, even to the point where now we have a go-no-go -no -go process um, that we've been implementing um, so we can make these decisions even faster. Let's let's go to that go no go because those sort of frameworks are very useful. Please give us some feedback, some some insights into what is uh, in that go no go process. Well, Tom Zayner, uh, the president of Zayner, uh, actually came up with this, and it was because we were we do meet uh, every other week and we go over what is new business, what is out there, and we thought we needed a faster way. Uh, to evaluate that. So we have a really cool chart and it lays out, you know, like when does uh, construction begin, uh, duration, size, complexity, kind of like what's the coolness factor even? Is it something that our team wants to spend our time on? Um, and as we go through and, and kind of tick the boxes, we say this makes sense or it doesn't make sense. And it may be even that we just have a, cons you know, a, a consult with the team to say this is what we would look um, for you to be doing. But you're probably not going to end up in metal or if you are, it's too small of a project or it's too far away or just doesn't make sense. But here's some really good insights into what you should be doing that with the fabricator you eventually work with. And it's interesting because, Nick, you talked about it earlier. You said no one likes to hear the word no. Right. And that's actually how that process has evolved over time as well, is that we've taken what started as go, no go. And now we have a, basically a path to value. And we've identified that path may ultimately result in Perkins and Zayner working with each other on an extraordinary project. And we have a few of those in the works we're really excited about. But it may be at the on the the other side of that where our uh, workflow tools are providing value, um, in this case, uh, to designer. Um, and it, it may just be, you know, which way the wind is blowing on a project, but uh, they're not necessarily working with Zayner on that, 
right? So the information is there and those tools are evolving, right? We're, we're, we're hearing from the market what the market being, you know, the design directors and studios and so forth um, on what they need. And they're getting that information, but it may, it, it may not mean that we're building anything together, right? So it's actually always a go, right? But, but there's levels that we're providing value. And that's, that's the cool part, right? That's, that's what we're really exploring as partners and doing it very open and honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, let me ask you this. Um, when it comes to establishing that partnership between Zayner and Perkins and Will, at what level in the companies was that partnership estab- a, a partnership estab- established? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's very important, Eric. In, in that, I think it gets to the difference between sales and business development, and and um, you know what we're doing here is a very strategic thing, and uh, it, it inherently has to connect to those that are connected to the strategy of the business. Right. So uh, both uh, Nick, myself, we, we, you know, are connected to the strategy of our respective businesses. And that's very important because you have to represent that strategy when you align. Right. And you say, hey, this is good for both companies. That's why we should dedicate resources to it. And a lot of times I think business development gets confused with sales, but uh, sales is a repeatable model. Right. And, and a lot of times you have sales folks that are incentivized in certain ways. They're not necessarily thinking about the, the future. Right. And, and, and Nick and I proudly, we talk about this at industry shows a lot, is that we're actually talking about advancing the industry. Right. We're not. Right. This is not a secret. Right. We're, we're talking about this openly. So that's a lot different than maybe um, a salesperson talking to a salesperson and saying, hey, how do we crush it together? How do we how do we hit our incentives? You know, how do we win? We, we win more together as friends. That's not what's happening. And it gets to the answer to your question, which is it has to have tentacles at a senior level. It has to have sponsorship, which this initiative you know, has, has sponsorship all the way to the top at Zayner. And Nick, I feel like you probably can say the same at Perkins and Well. Well, I was thinking, you know, about executive sponsorship uh, in the meetings that we had probably two years ago at this point now. Um, within Perkins and Will, we have something that, that I'm a part of called the uh, uh, – let me think about what it's called. We have so many boards. So many <laughs> boards. Um, it's the smart guy board. Yeah, it's the, the totally the, awesome board. I'll tell you the right design delivery board. Yeah. Okay, I got it. I got it. I got it. <laughs> so it Perkins and Will all the way to our project delivery board that I'm a, that I'm a part of and is led by our COO uh, and chief practice officer. And Ryan, uh, along with Tom Zayner, came in and presented. We all presented together uh, to get sign-off from the board as to what are you guys doing, uh, which everyone was really excited about. But I think when we got into the details, um, there was the sign-off right away. And then really what that sparked for us was how does this get connected to all of our other studios? How do we get more people talking about this? Because we wanted to – we had a uh, – in. Uh, internal campaign called Deliver Different, mm. that going into you know the next 20, 30 years, we need to be delivering our projects differently. And the only way that we know how to do that is to reach out to our partners that are putting it together and try to understand what is it that you need? What is it that you need from what we're producing in these 3D models or in our specs or in our drawings? What is helpful to you 
nowadays with all the knowledge and technology that you have uh, so that you can be more effective and efficient. Um, so it started with Zaner and like uh, Ryan saying, we want this across the board in the industry. It's not a secret. That's why we're here. That's why we're talking about this, that we all need to be working and delivering differently and using the tools that we have access to um, so that we can do more work and we can do it more efficiently and effectively and save on materials and save on waste um, so that we can build healthier buildings. So let me ask you this. In, as you go through that, that process where there, there's that pr presentation um, where, where, Ryan, you're, you're going in to Perkins and Will with Tom and you're presenting alongside Nick to the, the, the project delivery um, board, what was the, the pushback there, if any, Nick, from the board where they're saying, OK, this sounds great, but but what about this? What about that? Where, where are the where were the roadblocks and the challenges as you guys began to articulate and form this partnership? I think. Just the trust. So Ryan and I had been working together, the team had been working together, so we had a lot of trust, but it was then demonstrating that to the internal projects that we were working with and building upon that trust where others would be like, oh, they're serious. This isn't just a ad campaign um, or just kind of something they're throwing out there. They're really serious. They want to deliver projects this way. Um, and that's where we're at now, I think, with at least three projects that will come out within the next 12 months, like actually be built. Um, in the meantime, we'll put together a white paper um, because we could do that. It takes time to build buildings, right? Um, so we put together all of our ideas and publish that, and that's available on both of our uh, websites, as well as get out into the world and talk at different um, conferences and things like that as a team together. And that's the typical rub, Eric, is is the trust piece. And let's face it, I mean, uh, as much as you may like you know, your counterpart, trust is earned over time. And typically mm. it's earned over, you know, mutual success where you both say, oh, that went well. Let's do more of that, right? So that piece is going to take time, certainly in our industry, right? But in the meantime, you have to gain that trust even with your earn, uh, internal uh, stakeholders. You know, we, we yes. talk about, you know, identifying who are we, who's our customer here, right? And who are we trying to gain support from? And it, it you know, it starts kind of, you know, it's one thing for the, you know, uh, Perkins and Will's board or Zaner's senior leadership to say, hey, this is great. Let's do this. We're well aligned strategically. But the folks that are going to have to lend their time to this and advance the ball and think critically um, and also give feedback on how to make it better, they have to be bought in. And, and that's, that's the cool thing, at least, that, that I've witnessed, certainly from Zaner's side, is that I saw pushback internally. And folks that said, partners, what does that even mean? You know, right. that, that, that's as, that's as uh, you know, partnership is as good as the last relationship that you had. And then when that relationship yep. ends, it's over. And that's not right. at all what, what we aim to do. And I think that's, the proof is in the pudding there is, what, you know, what are you doing? Are you dedicating time? Well, what's your success, right? And how do you work with one another? How are you able to iterate, right? How are you able to also maybe proactively approach one another with how your strategies are changing? And that, um, I think that's what's unique. And that's what maybe defines a true partnership 
is that you're able to expose those things. And maybe it's lucky that you're navigating through these waters together. But um, we have, we have, and, and we continue to gain support. And I think not only are we going to win with each other, I think, um, I think the industry's ears are perked. Right. I mean, they're, they're, they're listening. And I, the challenges that the industry have, have, has raised, I mean, Nick mentions sustainability. I mean, this requires, in order to overcome these challenges, it will require deep strategic thinking. It will require your best foot forward. So we will win faster with more relationships that look like this. So let me address, um, I think, something, an issue that's behind all of this, because we're talking about partnership, we're talking about trust. And then as Ryan, you're providing value to Nick. At what point does that value result in an exchange of money? Well, I mean, so that's one of the ways, one of the gotchas, I think, with, with a partnership or with whatever yes. business relationship is the contract or how do we that sort of thing. And th right. this actually, that's maybe what made this beautiful at the beginning is we said, this is what is good for us. This is what we aim to do. Right. And, and if you just started a baseline, let's say at the top of the whiteboard was build cool stuff. We're going to build cool buildings. Right. 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 And then there was, you know, subsets like, you know, Zaner is known for, uh, it resonates with, uh, you know, exterior structures, certain size to architects, but we endeavor to grow our product business and to, and to resonate interiors and so forth. So my point is, is, uh, we, if you keep an eye on that and you're able to look at it and say, this is what is good for us. And this is how we accomplish your goals, Perkins and Will, not my goals, but of course we keep an eye on those things. Then you might be onto something. Right. And that's why you're dedicating time to it is because, oh, I see what we're doing here. Right. And you continue to double down. Does that answer the question? Nick, your Nick, did, did I? Yeah, yeah. Nick, what are your thoughts on that? The, the exchange? Because at some point there's a value that has to be exchanged beyond just we enjoy being around each other. We like building cool things and um, we trust each other. I, I, I go back to the beginning about delivering for our clients and making sure that they're getting the highest value. And there's nothing worse than being a designer um, and going through this horrible, horrible process that we call value engineering, <laughs> which means we design something really cool, <laughs> but we're not going to be able to afford it because throw in, you know, in the blank. And we have to go back and, and kind of cut that out. Um, and it's usually something that's really precious to us. So we know things can be built. We kind of know what the price is-ish, um, but something's come back that says, we didn't understand this, um, so we had to throw a lot of contingency at it, or we just didn't have time mm -hmm. to, to get to it. So having this relationship earlier where we have mm -hmm. a trusted partner that's giving us information, giving sharing their knowledge, uh, and saying like, yeah, we can do that. We understand this way better now because we're working off of the same models mm -hmm. and the same information. We're delivering a higher value to our clients. Um, how does that work for Ryan? They get the business, I hope. That's who we want to work with. Um, and it's that we can bring them in earlier and we'll look for other partners uh, to do exactly the same thing. Take risk with us early on for our clients. You know, we're not paying them. Um, 
to share some of that knowledge and then we both benefit and that, that's where i think everyone wins in the end we get the cool building our clients get the highest value zaner gets the job and we all have something to look be really proud of um, and share in the community I think that's interesting because you, you, you nail it, Nick. I think one of the reasons why there is this tension, especially around cost and, and, and the difficulty of delivering projects is because I get a set of documents or drawings. I look at it. I have a compressed time frame to give you a number. The drawing isn't that great. So I throw money at it. Mm-hmm. And then the issues begin from there. And so in, in, light, yep. in light of that, I'd like to, to, to focus in on this white paper you guys produced, the Dynamic Design and Feasibility Workflow White Paper. And in it, you, you identify three key concepts that this process is rooted in. And so I'd just like to spend a few minutes looking at those. Um, those processes, number one, are design data accessibility. The second one is what you call digital workflow. And the third is consistent cadence. So, Nick, Ryan, I'm just going to let you take a dive into each one of those in whichever way you'd like to, to go after that. There's, if you get into the white paper, there's diagrams in there. And the design data accessibility is that we're working from a common platform. Yeah. Uh, and it's not super, super high tech. It's a couple of shared folders and models that we have. But we've come to the agreement as to what those are um, so that the teams can touch those at any time. And there's also just constant communication. I mean, there's a consistent cadence that we have, but we also have constant communication through the same platform. So if someone's looking at something, they can ask the question and usually get an answer within a few minutes. And it's pretty open-ended. It's not uh, like an email, uh, so it's it's not as proper. It's because the people have just been working together for so long, we're, we're able to just go back and forth like text messages. Um, in around the digital workflow is that it's cyclical, it's it's always churning, and people always have access to the latest information that's being put out there. Um, so they're not waiting. Um, and to your point of the drawing's not good, or this isn't good, um, we were probably focusing on the wrong thing. And if you were able to talk to someone earlier, they'd say, hey, you know what we need to know about? That thing that you're not showing. Can you show it? Can you tell us what it is? What's around that corner that we don't see yet? Because that's that's what's giving us a little bit of grief right now. And it's just that open dialogue to go through uh, and look at those things. Excellent. Ryan, what, what are your thoughts? Well, then? I mean, I, so I think it's uh, perfectly said, you know, the other piece is the consistent cadence. And maybe so so the um, the dynamic communication is important. And and that gets to maybe the trust is, you know, uh, We've deployed, um, you know, these tools through an internal system, and that is always a difficult thing, particularly with a large organization like Perkins and Will. You know that in order to make that happen, there has to be trust, right? So that mm-hmm. so that's wonderful. That that certainly was a big step. Um, so that enabled that communication, right? And whether it's actually, you know, uh, messaging you know, from one team to the next, or if it's the sharing of models and iterating on models, all of those things. But the consistent uh, cadence is a, the touch point, right? And we do we do have a touch point and it's not um, just a single team, right? Our, um, 
what we have called Project Rotunda from the very beginning is a dedicated team and it's many functional groups that are working with one another you know, every other week. And that is a touch point where we're able to talk about projects, um, what's working, what's not, um, you know, and beyond, right? Um, podcasts that we might do with one another, right? But it's all sorts of topics. But then there's other touch points from uh, from players where they d- they dig in deeper and and maybe talk about technical challenges and you know what's the next tool set look like you know iter- iterations of legacy tool sets all of this so so it's that uh, cadence is extremely important and that helps maybe reiterate that trust right and that's really where we are now as I think we want broadly the organizations to realize what's available to them. Um, do they want to be a part of one of those teams or do they just need to, to initiate within, um, you know, the internal systems, what have you, but. It's interesting. What, what I'm hearing here then is, is in order for this uh, collaboration to work in the way that you're describing, the quality of information is important. The timeliness of that information being presented to the team is important. And then being able to sort of communicate it effectively and ask questions about it and have that cadence of communication those those things all come together to be able to to deliver a design and ultimately a project that the client is looking for and that's also a good experience for someone like Zayner and Perkins and Will working together nailed it i mean that's perfect but 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 also um, you know all of those things together um, allows us to do this special thing. And, and it's also what makes it difficult. Right. And, and that's, that's, I think the interesting part when we talk to the industry is they're like, okay, cool. Um, I want to buy it. And, and the, the point is, is that there's nothing to buy. We are, we are doing these things that you've highlighted and we're dedicating ourselves to it because we think that this is good for both organizations. We think this is good for the industry. Um, but for you to do it, you just need to understand um, your strategy, align with others that are symbiotic, dedicate resources to yes. it, have the wherewithal yes. and dedication to the cause, which ends up growing, by the way. It may start as we want to satisfy our business model, which talked about earlier right but it may uh end with wow look at this opportunity right so i think that's uh that's the kind of the beauty of this whole thing is that it's right in front of us all but it takes maybe um i don't know a special partnership that's what that's what it's all about by definition you know to really accomplish it Nick, your thoughts on, on what Ryan was just sharing there? Because I, th- I think we're, we're getting to the root of what we're talking about here. Yeah, I mean, I go back to the reputations that, w- that we have, which are well-established. So you're able to um, know you're getting quality and what's being put out there um, in the world. Something you mentioned earlier, Eric, was when I was talking about VE and you were smiling and you're thinking like, yeah, we only get a week to look at these documents. Um, that's a real problem because one group's looking at those and another and another and they're trying to ask us questions or ask the GC questions and we're overwhelmed. 
that's the bottleneck and that's the problem that we see. And we need to have more open lines of communication um, as we work through these projects and these challenges that we have to produce the best results that can get out there and tamp down on the frustrations that we both have as architects and you might have as fabricators or as contractors, right? Um, we don't think we have all the answers. Um, we think we usually have a pretty good idea of where we want things to go. Um, but it's a team sport in the end. You know, it's Perkins and Will with our consultants and the GC, and we're all playing for the owner's team. Um, and, you know, I think when you get into the trailers and you talk with the folks that are out there, um, everyone's happy to be doing their job. They think it's pretty cool. Um, and we should all find joy in that and remember it as we, as we go forward. And that's what we're trying to bring. Like the tools should make it easier. The technology should be making it easier. And as Ryan said, it's not anything special. Um, you just have to commit to it and say, yeah, let's do it different. Yeah, those are three words that I'm pulling out here is um, trust. Obviously, you have to have trust between the, the parties involved. Then there has to be that dedication. And and that takes a degree of discipline um, and, and commitment. And then there has to be that cadence of communication. And I think cadence is an excellent word simply because it implies that this is something that we're going to have to do on an ongoing basis. It's not a one-time thing. Um, so, gentlemen, as we're wrapping up here, um, Nick, as an architect... Give us two or three requests that you as an architect would have to someone like Ryan as you're developing that trusting relationship. How is it that a, a project partner on the, um, the manufacturing or installation end of the deal, how can they build trust with an architect? I think it's time, um, spending the time together um, and getting into the problem. Um, and being open about what is a real challenge versus maybe what's not, what scares them about a project. Um, what are the things that they're seeing that is, is making them pull back and share that with us so that we can say, that seems like it might be a problem too, or it might be something that we need to look at and, and rethink. Um, and yeah, I think that's what builds the trust. I was going to say like being honest, um, that sounds kind of weird, but I mean it in terms of like what when you're looking at the design or going through it, what's the thing that's scary hmm. that you need to you need more information about? Um, and there's some vulnerability in that, too. Like we don't understand this 100 percent and it's not because your drawings are not good. Um, we just we just need to dive into it more. We need more information. Um, and I think as an architect, we love that. Like, yes, we can generate more because we want it not to be on paper. We want it to be in the real world. We want it to be out there um, and for our clients to enjoy or, you know, to help heal some sick kids or to be the classroom that kids learn in. Um, in the end, that's what that's what we put out there. That's interesting you say that, Nick, because I, earlier you were talking about, you know, going out into the field and, and uh being in the trailer and all of a sudden understanding, oh, yeah, I see something here that I didn't see when I was back in my design studio. So there's a degree of humility on your part. But then there's also a degree of humility on the contractor or the, the manufacturer's part where they have to raise their understand their hand and say, hey, I don't have understanding here. It's interesting how those things work both ways. So, so, yeah. so Ryan, as, 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 as we're wrapping up here, give me two or three pieces of advice that a contractor or a manufacturer can t take immediately and begin to apply in order to to build relationships 
with architects that that we we talked about here today and that you guys describe in that white paper? Yeah. So, um, I mean, I think it starts with, um, you know, willingness to engage, which is increasingly difficult. I mean, obviously, we just came through a pandemic where it's really hard to engage, but willingness to do yep. that uh, and also um, willingness to, to be candid, open and wrong right as you do engage and we're talking about strategic discussions here so you're not you can't fake it right i mean you have to say you, you're once you build you feel that trust you've engaged and you're you're feeling like hey look this this my counterpart is willing to share their vision for where their business is going and i've done the same then you know from there um well, this is this is what i've got you know, this is what we have as a business. This is how we perceive our, uh, you know, value proposition, our competitive advantage um, versus this is what we're not good at and being honest about that. Right. And I think that helps maybe facilitate that trust a little sooner. Right. And also it leads to maybe opportunities. Right. And, and um, I think a lot of, a lot of times uh, in our industry, we get really proud of what we have and, uh, and that looks very preachy. And um, and that doesn't necessarily work to facilitate this sort of engagement is I think there's a lot of listening. There's a lot of candor and, um, you know, and dedication. I think that's what we keep coming back to here, Eric, is is, you know, it's one thing to start something. But so many of these things die on the vine. Right. And, and to to really see it through or have the willingness to see where it might go, um, you know, uh, that, that's what's interesting by maybe. Uh, starting with a very uh, foundational levels of partnership. That's excellent. Well, gentlemen, I really appreciate your time. We're going to put links in the show notes to the dynamic design and feasibility workflow white paper that you all have produced together. Um, Ryan, I I just have a quick question for you on the way out here. Um, I know you're in Kansas City. Oh, yeah. And um, I, I love barbecue. Oh, yes. So the next time I'm in Kansas City... Tell me the one barbecue joint I have to hit. I got it. So, so do you want that now? Am I plugging them now? You are okay, plugging them okay. right now. Well, so tip, typically, this is for all the audience. Typically, from coast to coast, you hear two things. You hear you either go to Gates or you go to Bryant's. That is, and and really, I mean, okay. they're both fantastic, unbelievable staples of the community. Um, and they typically sit and talk about the nuances of sauce. But I'm here to tell you the real one is LC's barbecue. And I'm, I am Uh-oh. a, um, burn ends fan. And I'll tell you what, oh, yes. you cannot beat their burn ends. So, um, I oh. hope I'm not offending anyone. Right. But, but that's the one Eric, uh, and I'll take you come, LC's come on barbecue. in. We'll have some fun. Nick will come too, but that's, that's the one. Beautiful. We are going to put links in the show notes to Elsie's Barbecue so that you can go you hit that. Lose. We are starting a controversy. We are starting a controversy, though, but we are we are leaning because we are. I am at least a Burnt Ends fan as well. So I'm going to take that Elsie's recommendation. Enjoy. <laughs> Nick, Ryan, I really nice. appreciate you joining us today on the show. Thank you for the energy and effort that you're putting into this um, effort of uh, collaboration. And thanks again for joining us. Thank you, Eric. Thanks, Eric. Thank you for listening to the discussion today with Nick and Ryan. I hope you got many practical takeaways. Make sure that you check out that white paper, the dynamic design and feasibility workflow that we link to in the show notes. 
And it sounds like at the end of the podcast, we settled a controversy around which barbecue choice you should make when you're in Kansas City. And we'll also link to LC's barbecue there in the show notes. Thanks again for listening to Smackna's New Horizons Foundation podcast series. Keep your ears peeled for our next episode. And we look forward to providing you more value to help you grow your business.